Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. We are four days into the civil fraud trial against Donald Trump in New York, and Trump made it through two and a half days before fleeing New York to Florida after getting a gag order imposed on him for threatening the judge's law clerk. Trump spent the week threatening not just the law clerk, but also the judge and the prosecutor before entering court and during lunch breaks. And when he was in the courtroom, he was seen groaning, crumpling paper, writing viciously and muttering, no jury trial, no jury trials, what he would be saying while testimony was taking place. But Trump missed the best day. Day four, when his former controller, Jeff McConney, testified, and he said that Donald Trump was responsible for all of the statement of financial conditions and all of that disclaimer language that Donald Trump talked about actually says that Donald Trump is ultimately responsible. You missed the best day. And as day four of trial ended, we received some breaking news here, and the story is still developing. So we may be learning more as this live show progresses. But it was first reported on ABC that special counsel Jack Smith received evidence that a foreigner from Australia who was a club member at Mar-a-Lago was told secrets, classified information, highly sensitive classified information about America's nuclear submarine program and our nuclear submarine readiness as it relates to Russia and other nations. Donald Trump just told him, hey, you want to know about this? The foreign club member from Australia then told his friends, people at his company, and government officials. We're just learning about this now, but folks, let's not mince words. This is treason. But MAGA Republicans don't care about holding traitors and people who commit treason accountable since they wake up every day and look in the mirror and that's what they see. MAGA Republicans have, yeah, that's the Australian businessman who Donald Trump gave our nuclear secrets to about our submarine program. MAGA Republicans have spent the day talking about making Donald Trump their Fuhrer Speaker of the House, despite him being disqualified from holding that position while being under indictment. But these MAGA Republicans, you see him right there, Alex Jones with Marjorie Taylor Greene. That is who they are, folks. And Throughout the day while that was going on, Donald Trump started filing motions in all of his various cases, either to dismiss or delay the cases. Like his lawyers in the New York Attorney General civil trial, they told the judge that they are going to now be filing a motion to stay 
that trial, the one that's currently taking place. I'm a lawyer, but I think you probably would get, seems a little too late to do that right now while trial is taking place. Trump also filed motions to dismiss the federal indictment in Washington, D.C., and a motion to dismiss the Manhattan District Attorney's indictment in New York State Court. And then earlier, Trump asked Judge Eileen Cannon to delay the trial date currently scheduled for May of 2024 until after the November 2024 election by just making up a bunch of false things about special counsel Jack Smith. Meanwhile, MAGA Republicans George Santos, well, George Santos's treasurer, pled guilty to fraud today for, y'all remember that $500,000 loan on George Santos' financial statements uh, in connection with his uh, campaign? Remember, we were like, where'd he get that $500,000? Well, it didn't really exist. He lied about it. They just made that number up to make him appear like he had money and he could qualify for matching funds by the uh, Republican Party. While that was going on, you then had a MAGA Republican senator talking to the media and saying that MAGA Republican Matt Gates would snort erectile dysfunction medication on the House floor and constantly bragged about having sex. So in other words, MAGA Republicans covered this all up for him. So we've got that going on in the MAGAverse. And then what's going on in the White House with President Biden? Well, President Biden has begun historic Medicare negotiations to reduce prescription drug prices and has implemented additional measures to reduce the burden on student debt. It's kind of a tale of normalcy. And MAGA Republican dysfunction, no pun intended. I'm Ben Micellis from <laughs> the Midas Touch Network. I mean, as I read these openings, as I do these openings, mm-hmm. it, it, is, it is shocking. But each week, this MAGA Mad Libs escalates into new levels of insanity, or perhaps I should say depths of depravity. Brett and Jordy, how are you? I was going to say the same thing. That was going to be my correction to you right there, Ben. I'm doing well. Uh, it's kind of a little weird that all the Republicans, they basically run on having compromise on each other. That's like their whole thing, that they keep these secrets about each other, engaging in either lewd or criminal behavior, and then use it to weaponize it against them when they cross them. Real, real healthy, real healthy uh, uh, <laughs> workplace, uh, don't you think? When you read that intro, it, it reminds me of that old Sesame Street song, Ben. One of these things Whoa. is not like the other. And and one of those things in that you read when you talk about all the chaos of the MAGA Republicans that they are in, all of the drama, the snorting of Viagra, Matt Gates, this like this is the stuff. These are the conversations that are happening right now from the House Republicans and the Republican Party. And then you talk about. President Biden lowering prescription drug costs like we're, we're not talking about the same things here. OK, this is why when we talk about this notion of both sides, the both sides just simply are not the same. I feel like so much has happened also uh, since our show on Monday. Totally. So we got to get into it. I'll toss it over to Jordy. Jordy, what's new? <laughs> no, you're, you're exactly right. I think right before we jumped on the show, I was talking to you and I'm like, this was the longest, shortest or shortest, longest week ever between shows. I just feel like I feel like we were just on the other night. 
I mean, technically, I guess it was only two, two and a half, three days ago, but so much has happened. And I just, I'm excited to get into it. I well, really, you know, and I did that coverage. Describe, I think when you describe the MAGA Republican pathology as being that of an abuser, mm-hmm. things start making sense because their pattern of abusive behavior towards the American people and towards each other. And then with the gaslighting, where they then blame everybody else for the problem that they created, actually mirrors exactly the pathology of an abusive person, except it's done at a group think level. Like if you've had an abusive person in your life, the behavior by MAGA Republicans strikingly resembles that. Like Mm -hmm. the MAGA Republicans are engaged in this horrific, horrific behavior. The MAGA Republicans ousted their own Speaker of the House. The MAGA Republican spineless Speaker spent the past 72 hours before the vote Rather than making a deal with Democrats who were open to have a bipartisan solution, mocking the Democrats, attacking (laughs) the Democrats, saying, I will never work with them. And and, and Kevin McCarthy would say things like, well, I know our body's about compromise here, but I don't believe in speaking to these Democrats at all. And then when the vote turned against him like an abuser, Mm -hmm. then they blame the Democrats and they say, you did this to me. You're the reason why this went down. It's all your fault why we are so irresponsible, reckless, dangerous, and abusive, rather than identifying the source. The malignancy, right, is that they're a cult. Their malignancy is the frolicking fascist who is in New York, who can't even spend more than three days at a trial without getting a gag order imposed on himself because he can't control his behavior, that they've become a mirror image of that. And they are out of control. They are purely ego-based. They have zero principles at all. They're Mm -hmm. all frauds. They lie about everything. They don't give a crap about our nation. And then they come up with in their own minds the frameworks. Oh, well, we are small government. We are strict constructionists. (laughs) I'm just a textualist, right? You know, I'm just a religious person. That's why it's it's about God. It's my connect. Y'all just are coming up with whatever abusive label justification in your mind to engage in the behavior that you uh, inflict on each other and more significantly on the country. Yeah, you're a strict textualist until you read what the text says of the Second Amendment, which talks about regulation, well-regulated militias. Okay, sure, you're small government until states' rights want to ensure that a woman has the right to control her body. You're an originalist until you realize that the founding fathers didn't have assault weapons, right? You are conservative until you start supporting the 
overthrow of our democracy and you support insurrectionists and sing songs with them. So at some point, what's actually clear is the labels that you create are just frameworks for your abuse to inflict it on the American people. And while legacy media has just collectively lost its mind as well, and they amplify the divisions that y'all want to create, sorry, it is a new era of independent media. While y'all were engaged in that abusive behavior, a Mm -hmm. community has come together here at the Midas Touch Network, built organically by all of you. And I can proudly state right now, definitively, more people have watched the Midas Touch Network on digital than Fox and CNN. So thank you, Legacy Media, for being utterly worthless and reminding people that they needed to find a place where sanity can be discussed. By the way, I didn't plan that opening right there, but I just started feeling it because yeah, that's like you're like Eminem right now, you know. It's just like, I was, was going to go Al Pacino any given Sunday speech. That's right up there with that, Ben. Wow, off the top, I was feeling it because these MAGA Republicans. I am sick and tired of normalizing this behavior. After all of this, after Donald Trump led an insurrection against our government, they're talking about making him the Speaker of the House. I have, you know, I, you know, I remember growing up and, um, you know, even early into my adulthood until recently, I was like, how, how in Germany, do, do, with, with the there were smart people there, how does a Hitler rise? And then I look at the MAGA Republicans and I go, easily, easily. I get it. I, 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 I get it. But we have to recognize that collectively, this community that you are a part of, and realize, yeah, I'm going to still call out the legacy media, but you're the change. You're the difference. This community will be the difference maker in the 2024 election. And so the best day to get started was yesterday. The next best day to get started is today. Brett, throw up that graphic of Marjorie Taylor Greene with Alex Jones. Every aspect of this, to me, sums up the modern-day MAGA Republican Party, right? You've got Marjorie Taylor Greene and Alex Jones, both who threaten and attack the survivors of school shootings. You've got Alex Jones, who was found liable for defamation. You've got Marjorie Taylor Greene, who rubbed the cardboard crotch of Donald Trump like a freaking sick human being. Who does that behavior right there? And then she engages in showing dick pics and committee hearings. This is the face of the MAGA Republican Party. You're looking at them right now and then saying their choice for speaker is Donald Trump. Not their choice, Ben. I think there's an important word he left out there. The one choice, the only choice, the only person who could save America because those right there are the words of fascism, that there's only one individual out there who could save us. It's also the way cults speak. It's the way cults speak about their cult leaders. And that's what we are seeing in this uh, clip from Marjorie Taylor Greene, where he goes, his policies stop the globalists and communists more than anyone else. He is the leader of the Republican Party and the only person we can trust to save America. 
That right there is a cult. That right there is somebody who wants to usher in a dictatorship. You know, I saw yesterday a, a very astute comment on social media. Um, so I, I pulled it aside. It's from an account called Zeddy. And the comment says, Trump's most astute political insight is that base Republican voters don't give a shit about debt deficit, states' rights, law enforcement, defense, or small government, except as code words for, quote, make people, make sure people not like me are poorer and more unhappy than me. And I mm. think that that sums it up well. And I would even go one step further, make sure that those people don't have any rights, make sure that they don't have an opportunity to participate in this democracy. The only people who should participate in this democracy are the MAGA supporters. That's what they want. They want to turn this into an autonomy. So we are watching this all play out. We are watching that abusive, vindictive behavior of the Republican Party, the first actions that they take, the speaker pro temp takes when they get that, when he gets that power is to mm -hmm. evict Nancy Pelosi from her office while she's at the funeral services for Senator Dianne Feinstein in California. Pelosi, who didn't even vote, could not even make it there to vote. They take it out on her. You did this. She didn't do this. It's absolutely atrocious what we are seeing from these people. They have no ability to govern whatsoever. And I laid out a great plan for Kevin McCarthy on the last episode. You did. Show. He should have listened said, to you, I, B. I, 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 said, I said, here's the one ultimately, way. Ultimately, he listened to me, but he should have listened to you. Listened, ultimately, he listened to you. I said, this is the one way to actually keep the government going, for Kevin to keep his job, and to actually get stuff done for the American people. And in short, it involved, you need to go to the Democrats who are ultimately going to control your fate and you need to work with them like groups work with other groups throughout the entire world and every other modern country groups mm -hmm. form factions and power sharing agreements. And he refused. And not only did he refuse, he basically told them to F off. He told the Democrats F you, I don't need you. He came off the vote to uh, keep the government funded goes over the weekend on that Sunday. He goes and starts blaming that on the Democrats when he needs their votes, blaming the near government shutdown, which was the Republicans fault on the Democrats. Then he follows it up the morning of the vote where he's all cocky. Matt Gates, bring it on. I got this. Bring it on. I, I don't need no Democrats. I don't need no Democrats. I'm not going to sell my soul to the Democrats is what Kevin McCarthy said. You're not going to sell your soul to the Democrats. I'm not going to sell my soul. You sold your soul to Trump and MAGA. Two weeks after the uh, terrorist attack on the Capitol, you mm -hmm. went down and you kissed Donald Trump's feet and took the most humiliating photo with him. That's selling your soul. Selling your soul is what you've been doing these past few months, these, yes, these past few years. Selling your soul is not working on a bipartisan agreement to actually get stuff done for the American people. And he decided to live by the sword of MAGA and die by the sword of MAGA. And now Kevin is no longer in power and this party is in utter chaos. And here's the thing. There are democracies throughout the world where you have a far left party, mm -hmm. right? And a far right party are able to reach power sharing agreements in order to govern. The United States of America is the only like one of the only places where 
someone like the Republicans, because I'll say the Democrats were saying the whole time, let's find bipartisan solutions. Let's address these issues. By the way, Kevin McCarthy, you want to address immigration. Democrats have put forward a comprehensive immigration reform plan that addresses all of the issues. If you want to add wall to that, let's let's really focus on that's probably not the most productive way to do it. We should maybe do like technology and have systemic things versus like just performative BS. But okay, we we can let's try to do things collectively together. But with MAGA Republicans, if Democrats support infrastructure, that means MAGA Republicans have to hate it. If Democrats support Ukraine, well, MAGA Republicans, they got to support Vladimir Putin. If Democrats support because it's common sense solutions to take pandemics seriously, MAGA Republican, the pro-pandemic party, like it, it it is a whole delusional world that they created. And also going back to the abusive personality, Brett, and you mentioned this like, okay, they're not for actually cutting deficits because they're the fiscal arsonists. They're the, they added $8 trillion, $8 trillion of debt the same way. And again, you can kind of view these analogies at a groupthink level to the individual. And we could then relate it to what Donald Trump is currently on a fraud trial for. Donald Trump ran the country with the same Ponzi scheme that he ran his businesses. Okay. If you create $8 trillion of debt for a short period of time, can you act like, oh, well, look what I'm doing. Oh, look what I do. Eventually, you have to then pay it. Eventually, it becomes due. And eventually, and Ron DeSantis says everything wrong, but this is the one thing that DeSantis says accurate. Where do you think inflation doesn't just get created the way like a cumulonimbus cloud forms? It gets created with <laughs> sort of nimbus. Yeah, it, it gets created like that. It gets created by something. So maybe where Trump, what what may have happened? I don't know. Maybe the fact that he ran up the deficit by $8 trillion, started printing random money, funneled PPP funds corruptly to his pals. Maybe sometime when you do that, that actually has a domino effect. It's not exactly complex economics. And I know Donald Trump and his CFO don't know what generally accepted accounting principles are. So this may go just a little bit above their head. That's what they testified in their deposition. I know how smart they are, but they don't know a concept. I, I, I figured at least the accountant, one. I feel like at least the accountant would know. I was pretty surprised by his answer. There's like, oh, no, I don't know. The CFO <laughs> of Trump organization testified in his deposition that he doesn't know what it is. He's unfamiliar with generally accepted accounting (laughs) principles. Donald Trump said that, oh, it was Weisselberg who generally accepted accounting principles. Don Jr. had that shit-eating grin of his, and the lawyer who was questioning Don Jr. was like mocking him. She's like, so you don't know anything about generally accepted accounting principles. (laughs) That's how she was asking. He's like, yeah, other than it was generally accepted. I don't really know. And then they asked Eric Trump, who's supposed to be the one who was running this all. It's the first thing Donald Trump says in his uh, deposition that Eric was the one running. So have you seen your statement of financial conditions, Eric? Oh, I don't think I've seen any of those. I, I never looked at a statement of financial conditions. It's your company. It's your company. So 
Either they're all idiots or they're all covering up something. In any event, in our court system, you need a scintilla of evidence. And it's that mentality that's so devoid of evidence, intelligence, that's so flagrantly moronic that is the virus that permeates this whole modern-day MAGA Republican Party. That's basically who they've become right now. And that's why you take the individual, because they're modeled after that, the abuser, the malignant narcissist, and you take that virus and you it can explain everything this Republican Party does by analyzing it through that framework. A lot has happened in the Trump trial. I, I, I want to talk about what Donald Trump did before he fled before he literally left. And I think one of the reasons he left was actually not the gag order. I have a theory, What's even the theory? though the gag order was imposed on him because he threatened the judge's clerk. I, I'm not sure he's coming back. I think that I think that his strategy now mm. is he's going to go, I went there, the judge was corrupt. There's no reason for me to even show up anymore at this point. So why would I even be there? So I, he's too, you think he's going to sit there and get cross-examined for two and a half to three days by the New York Attorney General? I think not. I think that he's not going to show up for the Cohen. I could be. I, I hope I'm. I, I want to be wrong. I want to see the Cohen deposition. I think he's going to be too cowardly to show up to Cohen's deposition. Remember, he told the judge in the case where he sued Michael Cohen for five hundred million dollars in the Southern District of Florida that he was going to be in New York for all five days of the civil fraud trial. He said, I'm indispensable, is what his lawyers argued to the federal judge. Oh, really indispensable. It seems like all you did was crumple paper, behave like the most petulant, fascist, third-grade bully. What a so weird. weird, what a weirdo. Like, if you look at that behavior and you're mm -hmm. like, that's my guy. That's my guy. <laughs> you know, it, it it is mind boggling. It is mind boggling. And then the media, legacy media, just tries to like sanitize that and act like it's normal behavior. And again, that's where we're all fed up and sick and tired of it. So right. let me just you show know, you, you some, one sec. You know what disturbed me in, in, in a lot of the clips that, and I really don't have them here right now, but right. so many so many of the clips, though, from the past few days, if you listen to them, when Donald Trump would speak and he'd get through saying what he's saying and would say goodbye, the press would burst out into laughter and go, see you tomorrow. <laughs> oh, isn't he funny? <laughs> like in mass. And it was so disturbing to me because these are such serious issues. This guy is really a danger and a threat to the country. And you have all these people there at the courthouse where this malignant narcissist is yeah. sparking like a screaming maniac. And then they just laugh and they go, oh, there goes Donald again. All right. I'll what are you going to have for lunch? What are you, what are you eating? I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I know all of those clips you're talking about. Like, it's like that. That's what you care about. He just threatened the prosecutor's life. Mm -hmm. And your question is, so what are you having for lunch, Donald? And that's why he's like, I could play these fools like a fiddle because he does. And I don't know if you just put them together and they be in their brains just become completely an utter mush. And on the one hand, they're also financially incentivized to because they work for large corporations to just kind of keep this charade going. Whatever it is, it is 
sickening that that exists. But again, I want to call it out the way you do, Brett. But the good news is legacy media, say goodbye to your audience. All right. Say goodbye because they're here right now. So thank you for doing that because we're going to have intellectual communication and discourse here at the Midas Touch Network. So let's play this first clip. This is where Donald Trump and I could show you 10 others like this, but I'll just give you this one where Trump publicly admits to the tax fraud he's being accused of. Play the clip. But she got the judge to value Mar-a-Lago for $18 million, when the smallest house in Palm Beach is probably worth $50 million. And this is the biggest, the best, anywhere in the country. There's nothing like it. So they put it down at $18 million, and they said, I, I overvalued it, because we had it valued at a much lower number than it's worth. And by the way, my financial documents are valued much less than my actual value, which nobody even knows. But the financial documents that I gave to the bank are much less than my actual net worth. So therefore, I gave them to the bank. They can't be abroad because I gave them lower numbers. I'm probably one of the only people ever to seek a loan. I didn't even need the loan because you see the kind of cash I have. I didn't even need loans. Maybe you don't do a deal or two. But I have a lot of cash, a lot of everything. You know, a lot of people are very surprised at how successful this is. You saw it today with the kind of cash I have and the kind of success we've had. But I'm a private company. I was never going to reveal this kind of stuff. But now it comes out. It comes out because a corrupt attorney general sued me for fraud. Like setting the fact that aside that everything he said is false. He's an idiot. Like yeah. he, like he's, yeah. he is not saying smart things. And I know it's part of the gaslighting, but he's not a very intelligent person. And then you have Eric Trump behind him right there, and like Eric is scared out of his mind, right? And he's going to have to testify soon. He was terrified that he was going to have to testify in front of his daddy. Um, because he was like the worst in his deposition. Like, could you imagine the cross-examination of Eric in that room where (laughs) he doesn't even know what his, he's never reviewed a statement of financial condition. And again, I want to have serious discussion and discourse. The judge didn't put down 18 million. It wasn't like the judge was like, you know what? I'm going to do my independent tax assessment. I hereby declare Mar-a-Lago, you are $18 million. No, you, Donald Trump, you put it down for $18 million. The undisputed facts are what you said it was valued at so you could pay less in property taxes. It was your valuation. The tax assessor said it was worth, I don't know, 25, 26 million. You said it was worth less than that. And I know you could say, well, tax assessments are always lower than the actual market value. Okay, you don't need to magasplain it to me, okay? It's not <laughs> 3,000 to 5,000% less. All of you MAGA accountants out there, the fair market value is actually always <laughs> higher than, uh, stop it. 
Ben, you know what he never mentions, though? And you know what Trump never mentions? Literally every other property that is in as a part of this lawsuit. He never mentions all the New York properties that are part of this lawsuit. (laughs) He never mentions the fact that he said a a 10,000-square-foot building was a 30,000-square-foot building. There are so many other evidence. He focuses on the Mar-a-Lago piece of it because he's targeted that as the one way that he could spread his disinformation to the masses. And to be honest, it works. It works because I've seen people who don't even agree with him start repeating that stuff. And I've seen people mm-hmm. who don't even agree with him who, who started repeating the 80% nonsense. Remember the 80% nonsense from the first day? Oh, the judge ruled 80% of the cases. Actually, you already lost the case. You already lost the case. That's not that's none of that is true. But I, I got I got text. So what, what's what's this about the 80%? So the judge knocked off 80% of the case. Oh, so he's getting away with no, no, that's a lie. That's a lie. Understand that everything he says is a lie. You know, like you ever hear like the Reagan phrase, trust, but verify, never trust, never trust this man. He's always always a lie. It's always a lie unless it's proven to be otherwise. That's how you need to go into everything with MAGA, you know, and that's the problem with MAGA because you never know what the truth is or what the lie is. So you need to go in with the assumption. Everything is a lie unless otherwise proven true and not the other way around. They lie so big. Go ahead, Ben. They lie so big, and this is where the big lie as a psychological tool of manipulation works, is that most people assume, well, if it's not 80%, you wouldn't just say that if it's actually 0%. So clearly, the judge had to dismiss some portion of it. It's like when they say, you know, President Biden has 17 audio recordings that shows him engaged mm-hmm. in a bribery. I got a lot of DMs from people who were like, well, they wouldn't just be making up 17. There's got to at least be one. No, they're making up the 17. Trump is making up the 80%. The judge dismissed 0% of the case because the fraud is assessed at the time. Not a not a difficult concept. The fraud was committed under Donald Trump's theory when the loan transaction closed. That's when the statute of limitation should run. When the loan transaction closed, so not you, when the fraud. You just have a committed. fraud period after. You're allowed to do as much fraud as you want no after fraud the loan. After, <laughs> no fraud after. No fraud Under Donald Trump's theory, you relate it back to like when wow. you bought the home. I bought wow. the home in 1988. So ignore all the fraud I did in 2022. That's his. That was Trump's theory. And the judge, when the judge says that makes no sense, that's bizarre. That's what the judge means and is referring to. And by the way, the way I just explained it, Legacy media, are you was that what was the concept that I just said? Was it just too hard for you to grapple with that? Is that do you struggle to understand how absurd Donald Trump's theory is? Or is it just that in your search of pretending that you're objective, or because the financial incentives are lined up, you elevate this nonsense fascistic discourse to the same of the actual reality that we inhabit? It is utterly despicable, this legacy media nonsense. Jay. No, I just wanted to say, I think I think so many people are conditioned to your point, Ben, when the lies are so big and so large and just so plentiful to, to just overinflate the whole entire ecosystem. Uh, people are often conditioned that, you know, the truth is always somewhere in the middle, right? You hear this outlandish statement and then, you know, the, then there's this and then there's the truth, which lies in the middle. You know, 
that may be true in the past, right? When people were normal and everyone's brains were operating at full capacity and you could actually just assume <laughs> positive intent from people. But there's no way in this current day, in this age of disinformation, of this age of, of misinformation and intentional spreading of lies that you can any longer believe that phrase to, to, to be factful. It, it, it's really pathetic and scary. I want to go back also to the deposition of Eric and Don Jr., Eric Trump. I mean, who put this guy on the stand? These two are so infuriatingly arrogant and they have no precedent to be so. Like they think that they are the smartest people when they walk in the room and then very quickly they are immediately disarmed by someone who's obviously smarter than them and then made to look out like a fool. Like the Don Jr. depot that we had talked about when he's like, Oh, uh, well, uh, anyone would know that in accounting 101. That's where I guess I learned it. And then the person conducting the deposition goes into it a little bit more. And his entire face crumbles over the fact that he doesn't understand exactly what the general principles are. And you put these people on the stand, you you actually sit down and have a conversation with them, put it on TV, let everybody see it. And the whole world would know these kids aren't hireable for anything. They're yeah, lunatics. Look, you, had a, you, had a, you had a disastrous day in trial as Donald Trump did not attend today. That's why I think he didn't attend. I think he knew like today was the day where his controller, Jeff McConney. And if you go back to our coverage of the Manhattan district attorney criminal case, where the Trump organization was convicted of over a dozen felonies, like within an hour or two of deliberation, like McConney was just the worst in that case. Apparently McConney quit from the Trump organization now, or Donald Trump, you know, kicked him out and was supposed to pay him the severance. Of course, Donald Trump did not pay him the severance that he was supposed to get. He still owed $125,000. He testified it's contingent on something. And so the New York attorney general was like contingent uh, on what? <laughs> on me. And, and then the response was on me being alive. Jose Paglieri did a great job. Uh, he's in the court. Shout out to him. And this is, he, he said this was part of the cross-examination of McConney by the New York attorney general. Because while reviewing the contract between the Trump organization and the accounting firm Mazers, McConney conceded the disclaimers lay all the blame on Donald Trump. The question from the New York AG. So they placed the burden squarely on Trump's shoulders. Is that correct? And Trump's controller says, yes, that is correct. And then uh, the Mazers uh, spreadsheets were shown to McConaughey, and guess what they had next to them? In a blue pen interlineation, Donald Trump to get final review over all of the financials. And, and so Smoking Donald Trump did right not there. want to be in court for that. Also, you had Democratic Congress member Jared Moskowitz. I thought this was great. He sent a letter to the property appraiser and let them know that Donald Trump now says the property's worth a billion dollars and not <laughs> the $18 million that it was assessed at and that Donald Trump was taxed at. So maybe you should do the property taxes at a billion dollars. Um, <laughs> and that was a great letter by Democratic so Congress good. member Jared Moskowitz. It's such a contrast, Ben, between like the way the, those attorneys behaved in court over the past few days when Donald Trump was there. Numerous times they'd be like performing. It was very performative. And the judge even had to tell him like, what are you doing? There's no jury here. Like, who are you performing? 
performing to? I just need the facts, okay? Like, just answer the questions. Let's go through the process. Who are you performing to? Well, they were performing for an audience of one. They were performing for Donald Trump, who was there in the courtroom. And miraculously, when Donald Trump left halfway through the day, all of a sudden, their entire (laughs) style of lawyering changed like that. All of a sudden, they were very quick to the point, very down to business, and it was a lot different of an environment within the courtroom, and I think that was noticeable. So it's good that Trump, you know, was there because people were saying too, like, how is this trial going to wrap up, you know, and it's per schedule with with Donald Trump loviating and doing all the stuff. Well, without him there, they got it right back on track super quickly because they didn't have to perform to this lunatic uh, the entire time who was sitting there, like you said, crumpling up his papers, like grunting, like he's like a child, like when he can't like tweet. And, and yell at people he like just he, he's like self-combusts in the courtroom yeah, like they told him it. that they, they, they put the gag order on him and he was like he couldn't control his rage the guy's a freaking maniac like such a baby like who, they, who behaves like this they have to be the most excited that he's no longer there so he can't do these awkward rants to, to the cameras once he gets out of the courtroom you know, them awkwardly stand behind and the alina haba clips and the eric trump and all the reactions of their faces I mean, they're terrified about the, what the guy's going to say. They have to be so freaking relieved that he's no longer in the court. Jay, Alina Habba's face every time Trump made the comment, and yeah. I don't have a jury, and I don't, it's a very unfair, no jury. And Alina Habba's there like, oh, shit. <laughs> here, 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 here's my one retort to Alina Habba. Alina Habba says, look, under this super special statute, we're not entitled to a jury trial at all. Well, then why wouldn't you at least challenge that? Like, let, let's play devil's advocate and say that was your view. Why wouldn't you? At oh, the my very- gosh. I have massive, massive breaking news. Sorry to interrupt. Whoa. And it's from Michael Cohen, host of Political Beatdown on the Midas Touch Network. Donald Trump just voluntarily dismissed the $500 million lawsuit against Michael Cohen. I that told you. major breaking news. Rewind and the tape. As Ben said early in this, he goes, I bet he does not want to show up for that deposition. Breaking news here from Michael Cohen, straight from the source. Donald Trump just voluntarily dismissed the Southern District of Miami. $500 million lawsuit against me. We will have to get more of that scoop for Midas Touch. Dot com. We'll have to get Michael Cohen on after this to give us all the details. So stay tuned for that. Just so you know that, I mean, that was a prediction that not a lot of people would have made. And I confidently <laughs> said that. I said, there's no way this guy is showing up for that deposition. And I still feel he's not going to show up for the New York Attorney General case. And so I know that too, because you follow the data and his lawyers filed this motion to he may even try to settle. Like he may try to offer a few hundred million bucks, try to call in some favors from friends because he knows how disastrous that cross exam. And I don't think the New York Attorney General is going to allow any settlement at all to take place. His lawyers filed today. Wild. Today, <laughs> they filed a motion to stay, or they said they're about to file a motion to stay. The trial that's currently taking place. Like it, like why wouldn't you, I could say this now, I didn't want to give them advice before. If you're a lawyer, the moment the partial summary judgment is not in your favor and the New York attorney general prevailed ordering the dissolution of the Trump organization, that night, if you're a competent lawyer, you bring your motion to stay. And you say, look, we have to deal with the dissolution now. 
And the trial is really unnecessary because it's just disgorgement damages anyway. And let's address the dissolution first, and let's focus our energy there on the Court of Appeals since that will necessarily impact everything else. That's what a competent lawyer would have done. But it's like too late to do that now. I could still see the Court of Appeals granting the motion to stay on just the limited issue of enforcing the dissolution. They're not going to stop the trial. They may say, let's do an expedited briefing before the dissolution because you can't unring the bell if we rule differently. So let's do an expedited briefing. But how do you wait till October 5th or 6th to bring that? Like, it is, it is so absurd, but you know the expression, you get the lawyers you deserve. And I just want to, again, great work to Michael Cohen. I told Cohen, I said, Cohen, there is no way he's showing up to that deposition. And guess what? Cohen now has a malicious prosecution case against Donald Trump. I, I want it. Cohen to sue Donald Trump for tens of millions of dollars. This is the ultimate poetic justice for Michael Cohen right now. And it was, I, I can't wait to talk to him about that. Brett, Brett produced, by the way, an incredible, if you loved our 2020 Ooh. Midas style videos, Brett yes. just cooked an A plus one. We're going to release it in full in the next few days, but for now, to our patrons at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. After this episode, we are going to exclusively release it on our after show, patreon.com slash Midas Touch. We don't have outside investors from the Midas Touch network, and we're kicking the ass of Fox and CNN. More people watch this than them, and it's being built by you, the Midas Mighty, in this community. So if you want to see our exclusive after show, we have a whole library of some of these great ones. We have the origin stories of a lot of our hosts, like Karen Friedman Agnifilo, Michael Popak, Brett, Jordy, myself, and others. Get that exclusive after show content. We got a lot of other exclusive content there, including once a month you get to meet us. We host an exclusive Zoom chat where we get to meet you all there, and it helps grow this platform since we don't have outside investors. It's patreon.com slash Midas Touch, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash M-E-I-D-A-S-T-O-U-C-H. And I'll just say this. If you're a patron right now, I think we're almost at 5,000. Let's try to hit 5,000 tonight. If you're a patron, put below in the chat if you think that the exclusive content there is worth it. So this way, if people are on the fence, should I join the Patreon or not? Let them know if you think we curate enough content there that makes it worth it your while put that in the chat below and, uh, and one thing real lot. quick Ben. one i'll tell you what it's going to be worth it no matter what once you see this video that brett cooked up today oh, folks yeah. this one is incredible links in the description as well of this uh youtube video in the audio description you could click right there midas touch we've got a lot more show want to talk about some what's going on in the uh House of Representatives with MAGA Republican chaos, how they're accusing Matt MAGA Republicans are accusing other MAGA Republicans like Matt Gates of taking erectile sniffing, snorting, electile dysfunction medication. And okay, well, it's hard for me to even, just let's yeah. go to a commercial break and we will be right, <laughs> we'll be right back. 
We all hate wasting food. Now, nothing's ever wasted, thanks to Lomi. I have a Lomi, and it's changed the way that I think about my food waste. Lomi transforms my trash into treasure at the push of a button. Lomi is a countertop electric composter that turns food scraps to plant food in four hours. There's no food rotting in my garbage and smelling up my kitchen. Now I only take the trash out on garbage day, plus no more leaky bags. I turn my waste into nutrient-rich Lomi Earth that I can feed to my plants, lawn, or garden instead of sending it to the landfill. I can help the environment and make my life easier. All my food scraps, plant clippings, and even those leftovers that I forgot on the back of the fridge, they go back into my garden, helping me grow more nutritious food at home. And now, Lomi's new app lets me track my environmental impact, earn points for every cycle, and redeem freebies from Lomi and other great brands. I learned that food waste makes up a huge portion of our personal carbon footprint. By reducing the amount of food that I send to a landfill, I'm helping to do my part for the planet. Now, whether you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just grow a beautiful garden, Lomi is perfect for you. Head to Lomi.com slash Midas and use the promo code Midas to get up to $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to Lomi.com slash Midas and use promo code Midas at checkout. Thank you, Lomi, for sponsoring this. And now let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, Fume. Cold turkey, it may be great on sandwiches, but there's a better way to break your bad habits. We're not talking about some weird mind voodoo from your wacky neighbor or some sketchy message board. We're talking about our sponsor, Fume, and they look at the problem in a different way. Now, not everything in a bad habit is wrong. So instead of drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award-nominated device that does just that. Instead of electronics, fume is completely natural. Instead of vapor, fume uses flavored air. And instead of harmful chemicals, fume uses all natural delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting, giving your fingers a lot to do, which is helpful for de-stressing and anxiety while breaking your habit. The first time I used fume, I was shocked at how flavorful and fresh it tasted. Now, it's easy to hold and perfectly balanced and quite honestly, extremely fun to fidget with. The real wood material and sleek design definitely classes it up, and I feel pretty darn cool holding it. Stopping is something we all put off because it's hard, but switching to Fume is easy, enjoyable, and even fun. Fume has served over 100,000 customers and has thousands of success stories, and there's no reason that can't be you. Join Fume in accelerating humanity's breakup from destructive habits by picking up the journey pack today. Head to tryfume.com and use code MIDAS to save 10% off when you get the journey pack today. That's tryfum.com and use code MIDAS to save an additional 10% off your order today. Let's go, Jordy. Let's pull up this order. (laughs) By the way, thank you to our pro-democracy sponsors. Links to those products are on the description below. This, folks, is the note. And by the way, we got a ton of new patrons. I hope you're going to like this after show and Brett's video. That's patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Here's the notice of voluntary dismissal. 
without prejudice. I'll, I'll comment on that in a moment. Here's what it says. Plaintiff, and he's not the president, but Donald J. If I'm Cohen, I'll do a motion to strike the president. Plaintiff Donald Trump, by and through <laughs> undersigned counsel, hereby gives notice that pursuant to rule 411A1, he is voluntary, dis voluntarily dismissing this action without prejudice, October 5th, 2023. Now, let me tell you the games Donald Trump is playing here of without prejudice versus with prejudice. So without prejudice, Donald Trump has the opportunity to file again. So the next step you make if you're Michael Cohen is you then file a motion in response. You object to the dismissal. So you file a motion that basically says, no, we want it dismissed with prejudice. We had a motion to dismiss pending. This was brought for improper purposes. We don't accept the dismissal without prejudice. We want it to be with prejudice. So then you have that proceeding. Then once it's with prejudice, then you go for malicious prosecution. Then you go for the sanctions. Then if I'm Michael Cohen, I'm suing Donald Trump for $50 million. Think about the ultimate poetic justice here, though, for Michael Cohen after all he went through, that Donald Trump put him through that for Michael Cohen now to have the ability, which he didn't have before, to sue Donald Trump for tens of millions of dollars that I think a jury will award. And if Donald Trump thinks that he now escaped a deposition. If I'm Michael Cohen, I cross complain. I relate the case to the same judge. I file a notice of related cases, get in front of the same judge, boom, notice Donald Trump's deposition right again. Cohen's got the top lawyers in the country, and our Midas Mighty community came together and helped fund some of Cohen's lawyers. So thank you for all the beatdown brigaders who did that. But Think about, think about that. Thanks to your support of Cohen, when Cohen's legal fund, you helped him there. Cohen now has the claim against Donald Trump. Brilliant. Monumental, monumental. You know what? Go, go tell Cohen congratulations if you're still on X or if you're on uh, threads and stuff. Throw him a congratulations from the Midas Mighty in the replies. This is a monumental moment right Dude. now so happy to be able to break it here on the Midas Touch podcast but there are plenty of monumental moments this week Ben I mean what do you think we should get into next year I think Brett break down the breaking news before we went live about Donald Trump discussing nuclear secrets that were part of his classified information with a purported Australian billionaire who is a member of the Mar-a-Lago club. And I think one of the reasons, though, why we're learning about this today is Donald Trump also filed a motion with Judge Eileen Cannon to continue the trial to after November 2024. And Donald Trump is whining and complaining that special counsel Jack Smith did not turn over. Donald Trump goes 25% of the classified information in the counts, which by the way is like five or six documents. That's why Donald Trump manipulates numbers and says, oh, it's 25% because it seems like Jack Smith's turned over millions of records to Donald Trump. But what Jack Smith did under SEPA Section 4, Classified Information Procedure Act, Section 4, you can go ex parte to the judge and say, 
even if we have the SCIFs, the sensitive compartmented information facilities, there are some documents that are too sensitive that we don't even want to show the defendant in a SCIF. Instead, we want to do a summary of the document. And so Jack Smith wants to do a summary, I think, of the nuclear secrets and not show Donald Trump those documents again. Why? Because they have this information that Donald Trump was sharing the nuclear secrets with third parties. I think that's the 25% of classified documents. That's why I think we're learning about the timing of why why we're hearing about it today is because Trump's trying to delay it, claiming he didn't get the classified documents. Oh, and by the mm. way, Judge Cannon entered the protective order on September 13th. Jack Smith turned over all the remaining records on September 13th. He couldn't do it before then. Right. Break down what went down. Let me go uh, through it. And I'll bring up a picture right here. This is Anthony Pratt. He's the Australian billionaire uh, who Donald Trump told this information to our classified nuclear secrets about our nuclear submarines. And I want to be clear up top about how serious this is. There truly is no more sensitive intelligence to the United States to Russia and to China today than that relating to our submarine capabilities and detection. And like it was absolutely nothing, you had Donald Trump telling this member of his club, it would be bad if it was any member of his club, but telling a foreign national, this is a foreigner also, I mean, let's, let's, let's also understand what he is doing here. This individual then told dozens and dozens of people about the conversation and the informations therein. So I'll read you. This is ABC News's reporting, which is a bombshell report. I'll read a little bit from it right here. He says, months after leaving the White House, Trump allegedly discussed potentially sensitive information about U.S. nuclear submarines with a member of his Mar-a-Lago club, an Australian billionaire, that's Pratt, who then allegedly shared the information with scores of others including a dozen foreign officials, several of his own employees, and a handful of journalists, according to sources familiar with the matter. Prosecutors and FBI agents have at least twice this year interviewed the Mar-a-Lago member, Anthony Pratt, who runs the U.S.-based Pratt Industries, which is one of the world's largest packaging companies. So I'll pause there for a second to say that prosecutors like Jack Smith have interviewed him now twice. They've talked to Anthony Pratt at least two times that we know of. And in those interviews, Pratt described how looking to make conversation with Trump at a Mar-a-Lago meeting in April 2021, and now get how easy this was. Pratt brings up the American submarine fleet, which the two had discussed before. And according to Pratt, Pratt told Trump he believed that Australia should start buying its submarines from the United States. That got Trump excited. He goes, ooh, I got information about the U.S. submarine fleet. You want to know it? And Trump leaned over, looked excited and eager to say this, you know, and wanted to be discreet about it, leans over and told him the exact number of nuclear warheads that they routinely carry, exactly how these submarines, exactly how close they could get to Russian submarines without being detected. I mean, this is some of our most sensitive, if not the most sensitive informations out there. And as we said before, he he ended up telling this to 40, at least 45 other people, Anthony Pratt. He told this information to at least 45 that, way, That's other- how Jack Smith found out about it, because some of the other people <laughs> clearly told him. Yeah. And so this is the kind of information and this is stuff that we've been speculating. What has Donald Trump been doing with these secrets? Why does he have these secrets? And we're finally now hearing that a lot of the things that we have been speculating about, like he's going to tell this to foreigners. He's going to get this in the hands of our enemies. It's what we're seeing right here. 
telling an individual, telling this Australian billionaire who then tells dozens of foreign officials who God knows how many people they told, you don't think that information can make it to Vladimir Putin? And I want you also to think very closely now about all the meetings that Donald Trump had with Vladimir Putin while he was president. Donald Trump had a very unique strategy with those meetings that other presidents don't really have. Donald Trump insisted that they be one-on-one meetings without any other U.S. officials present. At least five of these meetings with Putin, with no other people present. Now, if we see how quickly he was willing to spill the beans on our most sensitive nuclear secrets to an Australian billionaire, whether it was try to impress him or who knows what, in his Mar-a-Lago club, imagine what he revealed to Vladimir Putin in those private meetings when there was nobody around. This individual is a traitor. This individual is a threat to national security, to international security. This individual belongs nowhere near the White House. This individual belongs in prison for what he did. And I want to be very clear about that. This is abhorrent behavior. This is traitorous behavior. And this is just the tip of the iceberg too. I'm telling you, there's going to be a lot more that comes out about this. And if he told this Australian billionaire about it, you could be damn sure that he told so many people about our top secrets, our nuclear secrets. I mean, give me a break. What other Australian billionaires do we know that close, uh, that Trump uh, is close with who runs a, or used to run a big media empire? Uh, Yeah. Rupert Murdoch. I just wonder, you know, pure speculation here. There's got to be some overlap. I don't imagine Imagine that the Australian billionaire circle is casted that wide where there's not an overlap here between Murdoch, Pratt, and Trump. It's all uh, this is beside the point, but why do they all look like this? I'm just going <laughs> to... Evil? Yeah. yeah evil, long, evil. long ties. It's evil kind of... That's where my mind went to evil too, Journey. They look um, like they look like supervillains. <laughs> they look like supervillains from like an Austin Well, because Tower. look, because I don't... Well, well, they either have money or they think they have money and they've influenced people to think around them that they have all of this money. So no one can ever tell them no. No one can ever say, hey, your tie that is down to your knees, you look like a buffoon. <laughs> hey, your your haircut that, that's cut like this, all of them goes all the way around your bowl haircut, that's silly. You shouldn't dress like that. They surround themselves by yes men, so they appear to themselves that they're the smartest men in the room at the all time. And frankly, you know, when it's put on a mass scale, when we're able to expose them for the losers that they are, the whole world knows what they are. They're losers. I like that sartorial critique by young Jordy. Let's Thanks. go from there. You know, that's what they to... used to call me at uh, my marketing. When I, when I worked at the marketing company, they would call me Young Jay. That was my nickname young, back then. Young yeah. Jay. Let's go. From there's another Jordan to... who is older. I know we want to get into this, but there was another Jordan that was older. So they called me Young Jay because there was an older Jordan. Okay, yeah. Not that, So there would be no confusion. I, I think yeah, no, I I understand. Okay, let's go from that. <laughs> <laughs> let's go for new new show. We do news here, Jay. News. Um, <laughs> Kevin McCarthy is no longer the Speaker of the House. <laughs> Smooth transition. <laughs> Kevin McCarthy got ousted by MAGA Republicans led by Matt Gates, um, And now the MAGA Republicans that are part of the Kevin McCarthy crew are they believe they're exposing Matt Gates, but I also think that they're exposing themselves. And first, let me give you the flashback to set this up of 
Madison Cawthorn, a previous MAGA Republican member of Congress. Remember, this is what he said would go down in the Republican Party. Play this clip. Here with House it's about of to get Cards. serious. Yes, I am. With uh, Kevin Spacey and I forget who else uh, was in it. Uh, but anyway. Really well done show. Very well done show. Very well done show. But it was so dirty, and it was about this uh, congressman uh, who was Kevin Spacey, who was, I think it was minority or majority whip. Yep. What was it? Yeah. And so, anyway, very, very powerful guy. And it was just kind of like his secret life of all this corruption and power and money and perversion, and it was just dirty. How much, in your opinion, because you've been behind the veil, is this a fictitious show or is this more closer to like a documentary? Is, is it that bad? So I heard a former president that we had in the 90s was asked the question about this. And he gave an answer that I thought was so true. And he said, the only thing that's not accurate in that show is that you could never get a piece of legislation about, uh, about education passed that quickly. And everything else is good. Uh, aside from that, I mean, the sexual perversion that goes on in Washington, I mean, it, being kind of a young guy in Washington with the average age of probably 60 or 70, and I look at all these people, a lot of them that I, I, you know, I've looked up to through my life, I've always paid attention to politics, guys that, you know, it, then all of a sudden you get invited to, like, well, hey, we're going to have kind of a, a, a sexual get-together at one of our homes. You should come. And I'm like, what, what, what did you just ask me to come to? Yeah. Uh, and then you realize they're asking you to come to an orgy. Yeah. Uh, or, or the fact that, you know, there's some of the people that are leading on the movement to try and remove, you know, addiction in our country. And then you watch them do, you know, a key bump of cocaine right in front of you. And it's like, wow, this is, this is wild. Yeah, this is the MAGA Republican Party. So I wanted to give you that as the background. We might as well just pull up for those just joining the photograph as well of Alex Jones and Marjorie Taylor Greene, both people who terrorize the survivors of school shootings and terrorize the family members who lost loved ones in school shootings. That's who they are, right? And I want to be clear about the Corthorn clip then. Like that is the moment that spelled the end for Madison Corthorn. Yep. Corthorn decided to reveal some of the secrets from within the Republican Party, how depraved the Republican Party actually is. They took notice and they started releasing dirt on him right after. They did everything in their power to try to take this individual down. And he was a horrible person. I don't feel bad for him, but it shows you the way this Republican Party operates. So now you have Matt Gates. Well, Brett, it goes back to exactly what you talked about earlier about how they just collect compromise on each other. And that's yeah, their relationship is how much dirt can I have on this person to then inflict my influence and, and, and power over them. So then they side and agree with me. Sorry, go ahead with Gates. And now you have Matt Gates. And no matter how much they want to blame the ousting of Kevin McCarthy on Democrats, even though they know that's actual absolute BS, they know that it was Matt Gates who brought this motion to vacate on the floor. And many of these Republicans are extremely angry at Matt Gates for doing this and for throwing the party into even further chaos. And so what are they doing? They're running back the Madison Cawthorn playbook. Yep. They're starting to spill the beans on everything they know about Matt Gates. And as Ben said, 
it's kind of an indictment on themselves, isn't it? That they've known all this information about this individual and they've kept it to themselves to weaponize when they thought it was politically expedient to try to bring them down. Not, I don't know, alerting authorities of something criminal that they knew about was going on or letting people know if something morally corrupt was happening, if somebody was being hypocritical or two-faced. No, don't tell the American people that. Let's keep it our little secret. Remember Kevin McCarthy in that closed door meeting? We're one family, right? What did he say? We're one family. We're, Ooh, that they was always a creepy talk, good Kevin McCarthy. They, they always talk in these mafia terms, right? We're one family. We keep our secrets here. Well, if you cross them, they don't keep your secrets here. So the first, the first uh, part, to, the first thing that happened after this was a GOP Senator Mullen, GOP Senator Mark Wayne Mullen, he starts talking about how Matt Gates he crushes up these Viagra pills, he snorts them, he takes energy drinks. This is how he quote goes all night, which I really don't want to exactly home in on exactly what he means by that. And then he goes even further with it and just starts talking about all these things about Matt Gates just to a CNN reporter outside the Capitol steps. And he oh. says he says we were not surprised about the allegations of sexual assault to a minor based on what he showed us. Let's be clear specifically what mm -hmm. a Republican senator said to CNN. Brett, I want you to play that clip. You got to think about this guy. Um, this is a guy that didn't have, that the media didn't give a time of day to after he was accused of sleeping with an underage girl. And there's a reason why no one and the conference came and defended him because we had all seen the videos he was showing on the House floor that all of us had walked away of the girls that he had slept with. He'd brag about how he would crush ED medicine and, and, and chase it with, um, with an energy drink so he could go all night. This is obviously before you got married. And so when that accusation came out, no one defended him, and then no one on the media would give him a time of the day. All of a sudden, he found fame because he opposed the Speaker of the House back in November. And he's always stayed there and he's not he was never going to leave until he got this last moment of fame by saying by by going after a motion to vacate. They've so normalized the behavior of compromise, of accepting the deviance and criminality that he also doesn't realize in the interview that he's confessing to covering it up and aiding and embedding abuse. He, 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 he thinks he's exposing Gates, which he is, but we all know who Gates is. He's also sure. exposing himself and the whole party. And that is, again, why everything they do is projection and confession. When they try to attack Biden and the Democrats using all of these labels and they conjure these terms of deviance, they're telling on themselves each and every time. It's automatic. Here, from the same day, the same day, George Santos's former campaign treasurer arrested, pleads guilty for making up the existence of a fake loan of $500,000 that never existed. Like Santos just wanted to act like he had money. So he created the fake company to say he loaned himself fake money so he could try to get matching funds by the Republican Party for money that he never donated. So they just falsely declared 
money that was never actually donated. That's what she pled guilty to. And by the way, Santos has an appearance later this month. He's so screwed now. They were giving him, the DOJ was, an opportunity, clearly based on the last continuance, to avoid this. They were going to allow him, if you read between the lines of the letter, they were clearly offering him a plea agreement. But these MAGA Republicans live in their alternate sphere of reality and criminality where he just goes on these right-wing shows. Like, it's a... It's it's a sitcom, you know, him, Anna Paulina Luna, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert yeah. at Beetlejuice, you know, Paul Gosar, Matt Gates. There it's not a it's not unique. It's not there's this one uh, aberration. No. They're all like that. Who who else? James Comer, Jim Jordan. <laughs> you know, you go down the list they're all like this. And it's time to stop normalizing this behavior. One other note, then, Brett, I want you to talk about what President Biden is doing. Donald Trump also filed two motions to dismiss two separate indictments, one the federal case in Washington, D.C., saying that he was entitled to presidential immunity. He says that when the Senate voted to acquit him based on the MAGA Republicans in Senate for his conduct in the January 6th insurrection, that that gave him immunity. He's making these things up. That doesn't give you immunity. What are you talking about? It's just not, just not true. It's not worth my time or your time for me to explain how stupid of a motion that is. Okay? <laughs> like it's, going to not, it's not going to prevail. He's a moron. And then in the New York case, he also filed a motion to dismiss the indictment there. And he used terms like the zombie case, the zombie case. It's it's just utter crap. He's not going to get the indictment dismissed in either of those cases. And by the way, we've said this time and time again on the Midas Touch Network. When you confront the bully, when you confront him, he backs down. That's one of the lessons that I want everybody to take from what Michael Cohen did here. He wasn't scared. If Republicans just stood up to him and said no, and they had some self-respect, all he does is all bark. You know, Democrats stand up to people. It's one of the reasons I'm proud to be a Democrat, too, is that there's some level of self-respect. It's like Kevin McCarthy is so used to being an abuser and also being abused that he thought the de- after, you know, he thought the trickle-down mocking meant that if he mocked Democrats over the past 72 hours, that Democrats were going to come to his aid. No, that's what y'all do in the MAGA Republican Party for Donald Trump. People who have self-respect, the first time Matt Gates called you low testosterone, Kevin, you don't go, hey, I go say, oh, 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 you know, he's very about the ego. No, you say, you're, you, you stand up for yourself. You stand up for yourself. You confront that behavior. You don't hide compromise. Go, oh, oh. That's how they exist. They expose themselves each and every day, Brett. Compare the oh, by the way, I'm looking at our Patreon right now. I'm excited, Brett, to show 
your video that you cooked up. It's classic it's Midas. It's classic Watch it first at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. I think we're going to hit 5,000 tonight. And again, Let's go. comments below if you think our Patreon is worth it based on And if you don't, say that it isn't worth it. But I think the exclusive content is. We don't have outside investors. Again, it's patreon.com slash Midas Touch. And spell it right. M-E-I-D-A-S-T-O-U-C-H-P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Midas Touch. Brett, tell us about President Biden. Well, on the one hand, Ben, you got Matt Gates and the House Republicans talking about prescription drugs, right? They're talking about <laughs> ED meds and uh, how much Matt Gates could crush up and snort and take with energy drinks. Okay, so they've got their priorities when it comes to prescription drugs. I'll just lay that that I'll lay that out on the table. But, you know, President Biden actually has uh, slightly different priorities when Ooh. it comes to speaking about prescription drugs and prescription drug prices, because President Biden this week actually announced that the drug manufacturers are coming to the table for those Medicare price negotiations. If you remember, there were 10 initial drugs chosen for that Medicare price negotiation program. They have now agreed to participate in this initiative. It's an initiative that, by the way, like so many presidents have pitched, including Donald Trump, until he had a meeting with the pharmaceutical executives and they talked him out of it. Interesting, huh? It was actually a big thing that Trump had run on back in 2016. It was a big thing that many presidents have run on now for a long time. But guess what? President Biden actually got this done. There's this interesting dichotomy right now because you have, on the one hand, these manufacturers agreeing to go along with this new federal program. And then on the other hand, you actually have them suing in court to try to make it so they don't have to participate in this program. So you have kind of these two separate tracks. But in the meantime, while they're doing the lawsuit, they have agreed to go along with the plan. It, the drug makers include Bristol Myers Squibb, Merck, Johnson & Johnson, Novo Nordisk, AstraZeneca, among others. They're now going to be speaking with the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, and they will be determining the maximum fair prices for their products. The agency is going to publish the agreed upon prices by September 1st, 2024. Those prices will ultimately take effect in 2026. And so this is a big deal. This was all part of the Inflation Reduction Act. And this is a quote from the White House, quote, for decades, Big Pharma fought to block Medicare from directly negotiating lower drug prices for senior and other Medicare beneficiaries, while nearly three in 10 Americans struggle to afford their medications because of costs. President Biden and congressional Democrats finally beat Big Pharma and allowed Medicare to directly negotiate drug lower drug prices by passing the Inflation Reduction Act, despite zero Republicans voting in favor of the bill. And these are important drugs. You know, they're, they're drugs that treat heart disease, certain cancers, diabetes, autoimmune diseases, and more. And so I think this is going to be life-changing. That's a big update on this front, not quite crushing up Viagra and snorting it, but important nonetheless. The other thing- I could just think about that. <laughs> the MAGA Republicans have spent the day talking about how one of their members who just ousted their Speaker of the House spends his time on the House floor snorting erectile dysfunction, medication, and bragging about sex, possibly with underage people, sex abuse. That's what they spend their day talking about. 
and Democrats are talking about lowering prescription drug prices through a tangible plan of allowing widespread negotiations with with the government and the major pharmaceutical companies that will reduce prescription drug prices for everyone. And this isn't, and here's the thing about what we do here. That's not like my talking point. Like, hey, I got a good talking point for you. Let me give you some spin. <laughs> like, we just showed you what the Republicans said. And this is what the Democrats said. That's why I say it's not about liberal progressive versus like conservative. No, you got these MAGA Republican, whatever that even is, mutation. And then you've got pro-democracy normalcy. Which side are you on? Sorry, Brett, go. No, it's it's all good. You know, both 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 sides are the same. Both parties are the same. I think that's what you were getting at in that speech, right? <laughs> being, I'm being sarcastic. Good, good takeaway take for, for the for the for the folks who don't pick up the sarcasm <laughs> through the microphone. But in addition to that, student loan relief. There's a big update here because on Wednesday, President Biden announced another nine billion dollars in student debt cancellation, wow. which is going to impact 125,000 Americans. That brings the total approved debt cancellation by the Biden Harris administration to 127 billion dollars for nearly 3.6 million Americans. The way he's doing it, remember, the Republicans continue to challenge the debt relief at every angle they possibly can in the courts. So President Biden has to figure out what precise ways can he target the system in order to bring relief to the people who need it the most that won't be blocked by all these Republican challenges. I mean, just think of the sickness to challenge people actually getting like benefits and people actually getting some relief out there. And so the debt relief, the way they're doing it is they're making fixes to the income-driven repayment program and the public service loan forgiveness program by canceling debt for borrowers with total and permanent disabilities. The administration's approved $5.2 billion in additional debt relief for 53,000 borrowers under the public service loan forgiveness programs, nearly $2.8 billion in new debt relief for nearly 51,000 borrowers through fixes to income-driven repayment. These borrowers who made 20 years or more of payments but never got the relief they were entitled to, $1.2 billion for nearly 22,000 borrowers who have a total or permanent disability who have been identified and approved for discharge through data match with the Social Security Administration. And these are in addition to all the other efforts that the administration has made here. This is not happening in a vacuum. This certainly has been a priority of the administration, despite the Republicans continuously trying to block all these policies. But to date, as we mentioned before, the Biden-Harris administration's approved $127 billion in debt cancellation three for 3.6 million borrowers. That includes nearly $42 billion for almost 855,000 borrowers who are eligible for forgiveness through income-driven repayment by fixing historical inaccuracies in the count of payment that qualify toward forgiveness, almost $51 billion for 715,000 public servants through public service student loan forgiveness programs, $11.7 billion for almost 513,000 borrowers with a total and permanent disability, and $22.5 billion for more than 1.3 million borrowers who were cheated by their schools saw their institutions close or are covered by related court settlements. So big news happening amid the chaos. You know, I appreciate the administration still doing what could possibly be done while the Congress and because of the Republican Party, I want to be clear about it, is completely in chaos and unable to do anything and are 
now resorting to kicking people out of their capital offices and are basically rearranging the seats on the Titanic rather than actually getting into doing the work that the American people need and helping people uh, with big initiatives that there are a lot of issues and these Republicans in Congress refuse to act. And we'll be covering it every single step of the way here on the Midas Touch Network. I think we covered a whole lot. We covered a lot. And now it's time for the exclusive after show for Patreon. Look, as I said before, we don't have outside investors here on the Midas Touch Network. Just think about it. The network has grown where there's more people who watch Midas Touch Network on digital than Fox and CNN. And we haven't had an outside investor because we've allowed the community to grow this. And if you want to see how we've grown it, look at what MidasTouch.com has become with our great editor-in-chief, Ron Filipkowski. We've got ASIN. We've got Patriot Takes. We've got Troy. We got Aaron Parnas and a whole other team of editorial and writers who I am so grateful for. We've got top contributors who are experts in certain areas who contribute to that site. And thanks to you, we were able to build that. And that website now gets almost just as many views as some of the top media news websites out there. We're going to keep building this brick by brick together. And what's most important is the community that you all built. And so if you can't join the Patreon, no worries. The best way you can help setting aside the Midas Touch Network is registering voters. Okay. That's the best way you can help. Start informing people about politics. Okay. Let them know what's going on. Use the information we provide to help educate people. The best day to start getting people to register to vote and educating people was yesterday. The next best day is today. So even if it's just one person, two people, three people, that will make a huge difference. The power of this community to be activated and to go out there, register voters and spread democracy, I think will be the difference maker in 2024. So that's the first way you can help in the most important way. If you can join Patreon, do so now. We're on our way to 5,000 patrons. Let's try to hit that tonight. And if you're on the fence, should I join patreon.com slash Midas Touch? I'll tell all again our patrons. Put in the chat below or in the comments what you think of Patreon. Is the exclusive content there, the after shows, the Zoom meetings, all of the photos and stories? Do you think it's worth it? Um, to help build this network with all the exclusive content. Seriously. And if you think it's not, tell people don't do it. I, I, I trust that you will say whatever the reality. That's how confident I am in it. Patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Right after the show ends, make sure you become a member. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash M-E-I-D-A-S-T-O-U-C-H. In the exclusive after show we're about to do, we are going to debut exclusively before it's released anywhere else, the new video created by Brett, old school Midas, called GOP Can't Govern. We're going to show it there once again, patreon.com slash Midas Touch. The merch is at store.midastouch.com, 100% union made, 100% made in the USA, store. 
www.midastouch.com. The website is midastouch.com. And uh, again, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you, thank you, thank you. You inspire us each and every day. We are so honored and blessed to be a part of this unapologetically pro-democracy, compassionate, intelligent community that you all created. And thank you for your hard work. We know all of the effort you put in each and every day to help our democracy. We know how hard you are working, and we know you could be spending time anywhere else right now. You're spending it with us, and it means the world to us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Brothers, time for the after show. Thank you so much for watching. Jordy, take it away. Shout out to the Midas Mighty. The Midas Mighty standing strong. At Midas Touch, we are unapologetically pro-democracy, and we demand justice and accountability. That's why we're spreading our message to Convict 45. That's right. Gear up right now with your Convict 45 tees and pins at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com.